Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week, coming up later in the episode. Alright, welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan, special late night edition. Thanks so much for joining us on Locker Room. And John and I have a little bit of a potpourri that we wanted to get to. We're going to get to your questions even a little bit earlier than we normally would, but... I think where we wanted to start is in talking about the ever-present buyout market. And with Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge now in Brooklyn, there's a, a lot of carping. There was a, a anonymous quote from small market executive in Howard Beck's column this week complaining again about the buyout process and how that disadvantages small market teams. So, John, you were a small market executive with the, the Memphis Grizzlies. What is your reaction? just let's talk generally about the buyout process before we get into some of these specific contributors on the buyout market yeah so the basic idea is that a player who has money left on his deal you it's almost always an expiring contract um will give back some of that money so he can sign someplace else instead and so in theory it's a win-win because the team that grants the buyout gets savings and they open a roster spot for a player they maybe didn't really want around anyway and then the player himself gets a win because he goes to a situation that he thinks is better for himself so that that's sort of where it came came about the the tricky part comes up i think uh, when it seems like all the players want to go to the same two markets, right? So, uh, you know, does it give New York and LA even, you know, even another unfair advantage just in terms of basically this is a second free agent period almost, even it's for, even if it's for not great players, um, where they clearly have an upper hand in, in a lot of these situations, uh, and guys aren't necessarily flocking to you know milwaukee or i mean we had a good team in memphis i don't think we signed one buyout guy the whole time we were there we actually claimed baino udri off waivers because we didn't want to get into the buyout game with him because we weren't sure we would win um and and that that was probably the one sort of equivalent guy like that that we picked up in 2014 and he really helped us in that playoff series against Oklahoma City where Nick Calathis was suspended so thank God we did that but you know most of the we were fortunate because Bano had a minimum salary most of the guys who were buyout guys aren't in that situation Uh, and so it's not plausible to do a waiver claim or or whatever or or even trade for him in some cases so uh, the question is you know there's been a lot of hand wringing about what this does in terms of leveling the play- playing field or unleveling the playing field and whether this is something that we should want to continue. And so, uh, I, actu- yeah. I actually don't know what your thoughts are, are, the, on, are on this, so uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear them. Well, longtime listeners of uh, this program and other programs uh, of mine will know that I, I do find some of the complaining by small markets to, to be a little bit, if not overblown, I mean, obviously there are certain markets where free agents generally would want to go and certain markets where free agents generally don't want to go but beyond that and just in terms of like the financial resources as well but it's funny that you mentioned the milwaukee bucks because the milwaukee bucks have actually now signed more buyout guys i think it was since like 2015 or 2016 than any other team in that period and they've been good and they've generally have not had the deepest teams in the world so i do think that there's a a component where playing time and trying to establish a market is a big part of it um, and we could talk more. I mean, the, the biggest argument, I think, against this being a big deal is 
there's a reason that these guys aren't staying with their current teams because those teams aren't trying to compete and they're going to a youth movement and the player doesn't want to be there anymore and generally the team doesn't want them to be any there anymore as well i mean can you think of any of these buyouts where the team really like would have wanted to have them and what happened in uh beck's column was this gm was complaining and this is actually a new complaint on, on this issue was well hey if you want this agent will say hey if you want uh anybody of my guys to want to come to your team you got to play ball uh with my client on the buyout market but do these teams ever like really want to keep the guy is that can you think of any we, examples of that we i can't i can't think of a situation where that happened and you know usually usually you're pretty you're in communication with the player's agent by that point certainly where it's like no we don't we don't because the trade deadline comes first so you're saying no we don't intend to trade you and we don't intend to trade you because we plan on keeping you and in teams where that's not the case it's pretty clear the opposite that yes we are calling teams about trades for you because we know that you're a free agent after the season and our season is going off the rails and so why wouldn't we take calls on you um so i that that's a new one where it's like an like an something that agents demand now just for whatever guy i i, I don't I've never seen that as a thing. And it's almost it's almost foolish for an agent to go down that road. Like if the team wants to keep your guy, so that's a team that's willing to pay bird rights money to keep your guy, you're gonna be like, no, buy me out so I can, you know, so I can just take exception money this summer. Like that that's bad agenting. Yeah, and you know, I, I think there is a little bit of a component here of teams complaining, well, hey, we can't get a second round pick for this guy now. Now that to everyone me, knows he's going to get bought. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that to me is the more legitimate issue with the buyout market. That it not only hurts prevents the teams with the guy from getting a second round pick from him, but it prevents other teams from doing the same. In other words, um, like my last year in Memphis, we had Garrett Temple and Jamichael Green on expiring contracts. We couldn't get a draft pick for either player because. Teams were saying, well, we'll just wait for Wes Matthews or Wayne Ellington to get bought out and sign them for free. So why would we give you a draft pick? And so that that actually that actually is real. I mean, the cost of it is like, OK, we're talking about, you know, realistically, we're talking about, you know, second round pick from a contending team. You're talking about like, oh, I missed out on the 53rd pick in the draft. Like it's not a this isn't throwing competitive balance out yeah. of whack. But at, at the margins, I I can see where a, a rebuilding team, the, the bio market does hurt them a little bit because it creates an alternative market well one of those things actually i think played out in a very lurid fashion if you're a member of the new orleans pelicans front office today with jj reddick's yeah. comments uh, on his podcast and for those who, who didn't see that yet jj basically accused the new orleans pelicans david griffin and trajan langdon of misrepresenting what they said they were going to do he asked for a trade because of COVID he wanted to go back to the Northeast in November and supposedly according to JJ the Pelicans haven't responded yet that's important to say uh David Griffin said hey report down to New Orleans and we'll uh, accommodate you within a month they never did then supposedly according to JJ when a trade to uh, his preferred destination in the Northeast near his family didn't materialize the Pelicans said they were going to buy him out but instead uh, they end up getting a second round pick from the Dallas Mavericks uh, to send JJ there where and he was clear that because of COVID that wasn't really what he wanted to do now he also is uh, getting paid 13 million dollars and the uniform player contract says that your rights could be assigned to another team in a trade uh and JJ also said he went to New Orleans to play with Drew Holiday and he knew he wasn't going to play at all understand Van Gundy because uh the without the defensive versatility of Holiday that meant that Sam Van Gundy was going to want better defenders on the floor instead of him and he couldn't play with Holiday anymore because the Pels were in a rebuilding mode which they hadn't been when he signed there and so you know a lot of he said she said or he said he said in this case to that but now obviously JJ Reddick very respected player his agents the Pels have quite clearly angered them yeah so you don't know what went on behind the scenes obviously you want to you want to have 
as open and honest a dialogue with your player as you can, uh, especially regarding a situation like this. If he, I mean, I, what what I don't know is if he was willing to walk away from the deal in order to in, in order to not be in New Orleans this year and basically just like we, I haven't heard the interview. So you know, was he just sort of lured into showing up because he they thought they'd accommodate him quickly enough? So that that wouldn't be great if that was the case. Um, but I, I don't think I did not get the impression that he was willing to leave his third. Million dollar salary, yeah, on the table that that certainly was not said in the interview, yeah. So, I mean, there are very few players that can say, you know, A, I want to be traded, and B, I want to be traded to this particular destination or subset of destinations. So, I mean, that when they were able to get a second for him rather than buy him out, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's what you do, that's 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 how front off, you know, that's how a front office works. Um, the I, I'd say the greater issue is, I mean, there is they said him out for a few games you know where it looked like they maybe were going to have a deal and for whatever reason nothing happened so i mean that's the one where you could probably ask a little more questions and say what 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 was going on right there that they thought they were close and probably led the player to believe they were close and then everything fell through march madness has returned and paramount plus has the games you won't want to miss watch cbs games live on paramount plus including the final four in the national championship game on april 5th paramount plus is also the home to year-round sports including the masters pg championship uefa champions league and europa league the nfl and more plus you get breaking news experts picks highlights from all your favorite teams with cbs sports hq a 24 7 sports news network the masters is a tradition unlike any other as they like to say on cbs and paramount plus is the place to watch it visit paramountplus.com before march 31st to receive a one month free trial of paramount plus that's a good time to sign up for it when you get the ncaa and you can get the masters in the next month that's paramountplus.com to receive a one-month free trial of Paramount Plus. That's ParamountPlus.com. Hey, you guys don't need us to tell you about Locker Room because you can see the benefits of it just by listening to this podcast. The Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. You can download the app free once you're in. Talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders even host your own room up with your favorite team or your favorite sport so go download the free locker room app right now currently available on all ios devices be sure to create a profile link your twitter and join the nba group for the latest league updates or you can join nfl mlb or nhl if you're into that uh, as well and you can follow me uh, of course at nate nate duncan nba follow john at john hollinger my partner danny larue is on there all the time uh, as well John and I are usually on some point on Wednesdays, usually 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific. Sometimes we have to change up that scheduling, but that's the time to join us on Locker Room every week. Yeah, I, I really have no idea what uh, ended up happening there, obviously. Uh, so that's a part of this. But the other part of it, too, I still think this big, small market thing is being overplayed. I mean, to, ultimately, these guys aren't that good. We, we'll talk more about that. But for example, like Wes Matthews, when you're talking about him, he signs in Indiana. And he signed in Indiana partially because they could offer him more money and partially because they could offer him a starting role on a playoff team. Yeah. I guarantee you that that small market executive who's complaining doesn't work for the San Antonio Spurs this year. <laughs> Buyout market was pretty darn good to them. Yeah, it, it amounted to a positive trade for them, right? I mean, LaMarcus left a huge amount of money on the table, although in fairness, they had given him that huge pile of money in the first place by needlessly guaranteeing his contract. Um, so so maybe he was more willing to give some of it back or they had, I don't know. Um, but going from LaMarcus to Gorgie Deng, I think was a clear upgrade for them and how they want to play. Well, and they po- they're able to pocket a bunch of money from him. They pocket a bunch of money from the Warriors to take on Marquise Chris and wave him because LaMarcus gave that money back so they could stay out of the tax and yep. take on Chris. And they, as you said, probably upgrade, at least for what they need uh, with Gorgie Jang. So uh, th- that one, I, I just, I think this really, it all gets back to this issue of just what the names are of these players. And Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, I mean, is this, it, we kind of saw the same thing with the Warriors when DeMarcus Cousins was coming off the torn Achilles and he signed there and everyone was going crazy about the competitive balance. It turns out to, uh, DeMarcus Cousins uh, didn't end up helping them yeah, too much exactly. in the exactly. end. Nor, nor so, the Lakers a year later. Yeah. 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 So uh, what do you mean? of LaMarcus now in Brooklyn. 
Well, as you point out, most of these guys are bought out because they don't really have value anymore in the trade market. And so we're talking about guys who, especially in the context of like winning a championship, are very fringe guys who uh, honestly probably won't be on the floor in situations that matter. We had one buyout guy who ended up mattering somewhat last year with Markeith Morris. And, but that was an odd one because he was on a bad team and not even playing well. Like I, there was not a bidding war over Markeith Morris's yeah. services, right? And, and, he just, and he gave up, didn't he give up a second he, year as well to get out of his contract? Uh, did he give up? I the, think, I think memory serves that he had, I, th- I want to say he had a player that option he had another year. That he had a player option that he gave up. You're correct. It wasn't for a lot. It was for, it was for like 3 million or something. So it wasn't for a lot of money, but yeah, yeah. he had a yeah, player option yeah. that he gave that he gave up. Um, yeah, and he ended up. I mean, he ended up losing on that, I guess, because he's on a one year minimum now. So, but yeah. he got, well, got he to the situation he wanted, got a championship. Yeah, yeah. But so ultimately, if these guys were any good, they wouldn't be getting bought out in the end. The, the New Orleans Pelicans probably would have bought out JJ Redick if they couldn't find a trade for him. He wasn't. He wasn't even playing. Stan Van Gundy it had him out of the rotation despite his uh, supposed fondness uh, for JJ. Also, I thought it was very odd that the Pels didn't just try to trade him right away in the offseason you know it's the, the reporting around it at the time was oh they really value him and Stan Van Gundy's system and like he's going to be such a mentor for the young players and blah yeah. blah and, and you know I mean it seemed obvious that, that it was going to that it was going to come to this right that they were going to have to trade him at some point because they weren't winning the championship this year and so move, moving him out and getting some value for him was the obvious move the yeah. one thing that might have held me back, I mean, coming in this year, you just looked at that team and were like, oh, there is no shooting at all. So if you're going to turn around and trade Redick too, that that might be the one thing that would have held me back. So is LaMarcus going to help the Nets? Uh, it might actually be subtraction by addition. I wrote about this for The Athletic this week, especially if he <laughs> ste- if he steals minutes from Claxton, who I think is is the guy who can really be that sort of switchable five, uh, who can rim run a little. Like if, if when they want to play big, I think he's their best big option. Um, and, but now you have DeAndre who is, who started tonight, right? And you have Blake Griffin and you have LaMarcus and they're all guys with status in the league, uh, who are, you know, gonna, gonna command minutes probably. And especially in a situation like LaMarcus where actually multiple teams were trying to get him, uh, and you have to recruit a little bit and you're all offering a minimum salary. There probably were some promises made about playing time to get him there. And same thing with Andre Drummond in LA. And you, you wonder about, what harm those promises might inflict. This is also, I, I, I agree with you there. I, I think Claxton clearly uh, their best defensive lineups are probably going to have him on the floor at this point. And maybe you can argue with LaMarcus that with his pick and pop game, or if he's going to spread the floor from three matching up against Joel Embiid specifically, it, that it'll be a little bit harder to guard, but you know, you got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and James Harden already. Uh, and maybe also the idea is that if you, you can't switch LaMarcus because like he'll go and post you up, but I, still i I like the front end of that switch if you want to post up lamarcus like be my guest yeah yeah well you you probably even are are lower on what lamarcus has been these last couple of years than i am and hey if you can manage the situation he obviously he gave up a lot of money to get out of there and there's talk that that miami might be the favorite for him whether that deal was done before he gave that up or not i think a lot of times probably teams and sources go out of their way to make it sound like there is some bidding war for the player's services just so it doesn't look like there's collusion before the guy actually got bought out just people covering their tracks yeah uh, totally Totally. If the league is going to, like, for example, the Bogdanovich situation, the only way the league's ever going to know about this stuff and investigate it is if there's reporting that it's a done deal too early. And so as long as you can just kind of obfuscate that and make it sound, oh, it's a real horse race. He's a free agent. He's just, he's uh, so great that he's a free agent now. He can start evaluating his options. Like, okay. Yeah. Right, right. But, <laughs> uh, sure, sure thing there. But, it's, like but, a movie, it's like the movie Draft Day, but for free agents, right? Like, oh, hey. Hey, the drafts today. I wonder who, who should I pick? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, uh, did David Kahn star in that movie? <laughs> yes, probably. Uh, so 
it would seem he gave up all this money he's going there it seems like there have been some assurances made uh, but also these players lamarcus and andre drummond they're players of stature they probably assume that anyone in their right mind is going to play them maybe they don't feel like they need an assurance but uh sure it's great to have another guy there who might be able to contribute he's an nba level a big man still there weren't a ton of those available they needed more size maybe he can hold up okay against Embiid in the post I don't really think so he's not never really been like a legendary post defender or anything like that yeah yeah uh so if you can handle it right sure by all means I mean this is also I think uh you know rich rich Kleiman and KD <laughs> maybe this is more of a, a their the move which they've they've had some success the hardened things looking pretty good so far we'll see well, John, that certainly is a lot of discussion about one player, LaMarcus Aldridge. So much discussion, in fact, that we would be remiss if we did not make LaMarcus Aldridge the big Globe Ultra Player of the Week. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Will Nets fans enjoy LaMarcus Aldridge? LaMarcus Aldridge certainly thought he would enjoy being in Brooklyn with 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. You're always going to enjoy Michelob Ultra. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Michelob Ultra, LaMarcus Aldridge, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. I'm really excited to tell you about a new podcast I think you're going to like called Death at the Wing. It's a sports documentary podcast hosted by Adam McKay, the writer and director of The Big Short, Vice, and Anchorman. The 1980s saw basketball players like Magic Johnson and Dr. J, Michael Jordan become household names. But along the way to wealth and stardom, the excess of the 80s took its toll on that next generation of basketball. And we haven't seen... In the history of any sport, so many who are ready to become stars face tragic deaths in such a short time frame. Adam McKay is joined by sports journalists and experts who lived through these moments in history to explore this overlooked phenomenon and the web of social, political, and cultural forces at play. Search for Death at the Wing wherever you get your podcast to start listening. Um, what about Drummond into LA? What, what, those, that's the other big acquisition. Uh, he's signing for the minimum uh, as well as, as LaMarcus is. What do you think uh, he's going to be able to give them? Well, he's a plus seven in seven minutes so far, so I think it's really working out. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they playing tonight? Let they're playing see. Milwaukee right now. Oh, Milwaukee! Um, oh, that's actually that's all yeah, right. That's yeah. a real team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, they're actually they're actually winning in the first quarter. Um, so no, I. I don't love the fit there, but I think he actually can help in the short term while Anthony Davis is out. Just because, like, they need something, and he he can give them some offensive punch. They are not; they're a bad shooting team, and he's an office awesome offensive rebounder, right? So, like, his main skill is actually more useful on a team that can't shoot. So he'll help there. He can do; he can definitely do some stuff like around, around the elbows. He's not a bad passer, and uh, you know, maybe make life a little easier for some of these other guys. So I can. I can talk myself into the Drummond one a little more easily, even though I think once it gets down to brass tacks in the playoffs, he probably doesn't play a minute. Yeah. I, I, brass tacks being like, okay, it's a 2 2 series. Uh, and like, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the games where you're really like, okay, we have to have our best players on the floor because this is a good team that can beat us. Yes. Yeah. I mean, maybe he gets that Dwight Howard, uh, the Keith Bogan start the first six minutes of the game. Yeah. Never, yeah. That could, that could definitely in. be a thing. Yes. First six minutes of each half, and then it's, and then it's, either Gasol or Davis or Harrell uh, or even Markeith Morris. I mean, they actually have a lot of options at the five now when they're healthy. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And we'll see. I mean, maybe I think the reporting was supposedly that Drummond's ability to take on a large role and uh, compete immediately would help. And we've seen guys, he still has a skill set. I think these last couple of years, uh, particularly in Cleveland this year, he's probably been given a little bit too much rope by J.B. Bickerstaff. He he and JaVale have had some... Well, uh, yeah, I mean, JaVale's off on another planet, but yeah, Drummond's had some pretty pretty interesting offensive possessions in Cleveland as well. Don't talk about Denver that way. I mean, maybe maybe (laughs) given some of the things that are legal there, it would would make sense. But but it's it's legal in New York now, too. I guess we we can't make those jokes anymore about Colorado. It's spreading, yeah. Uh, So, in any event, yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens with Drummond. And maybe with the LeBron there, a more focused role, uh, he could be better. But yeah, it's just the post-ups not really great finishing those offensive rebounds like, like he shoots you know like 55 percent at the rim or something just incredibly bad uh, for a center and the lakers don't have a ton of spacing 
I I don't see this one shifting the championship. Uh, certainly, no. Maybe, again, he's kind of a, another body. I'm interested to see. You know, I guess Marcus Ole is just going to not play now. Is that the plan? I can't talk about this rationally. Well, unless they go up against the Nuggets, and then I think Mark they might. Yeah, against Mark, against Jokic or Embiid, you, you definitely want Mark out there. I think um, against these other teams, though, I don't know how much we're going to see him just because offensively he hasn't uh, given them a lot of punch this year. Unfortunately. No, I, I, yeah. So, and there's actually uh, also, as much as you might be complaining about the buyout market, we haven't heard anything yet on Avery Bradley. Uh, there's a talk that he might get bought out, but OKC kind of doesn't like to do that. He has that team option for next year. Yeah. If you're OKC, you don't have anything else to do with that. Maybe so, you opt him in. Houston, right? He's in Houston. Oh, geez. Is he in Houston? Yeah. I, I only oh, yeah, I'm thinking I, of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. I only retained that because I was just looking at their box score. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Houston tries to do. They, they got plenty of. Uh, same I'm thing surprised. About OKC. Yeah. I'm surprised Kelly Olenek hasn't gotten a buyout. And I think he'd be a really good target for Boston, certainly. That's a that's a good one, too. And yeah, because Olenek is just a straight expiring contract. And, and you just you have no idea what the plan is right now in Houston. I mean, the plan has to be get into the top three like they have to be in the top three otherwise that that's negligence uh, with their pick yeah but uh, the, i mean that you know rafael stone was talking about oh we're not taking we don't want to be bad still you know i'd i do the james harden trade a bunch of times in a row even though they took the package that would enable them to tank <laughs> then but he's now yeah. he's de- denying that uh so who knows i mean but bradley you know you can opt him into that team option next year if you want to and then maybe you can do the old sam presti get something for him coming and get something for him going in the offseason if a team would give up like a second uh to get bradley in the offseason instead of just buying him out uh but or or maybe they're just negotiating what the price is going to be for his freedom uh, as well that could be a, another aspect um Otto porter is another one in, in orlando yeah. you people thought he would get bought out it doesn't look like it's trending that way right now Orlando may have some use for his bird rights. Yeah. So I could, I could see them not doing that. I mean, on two levels. One, they might be able to work something in a sign and trade that's advantageous. Two, like re-signing him isn't a terrible option. Even with them rebuilding, you can do sort of the, what the, kind of what the Knicks did with Markeith Morris, or Marcus Morris, excuse me. You sign the guy and then you, if he plays well, you can trade him at midseason. But like, they have to sign somebody to play small forward next year. So like ha- having Otto on that roster, he's not even that old. Like, I, I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing for them to re-sign him. No, they're not going to have cap space. So I think that actually makes some sense to, to try to, to bring him back. As you mentioned, they don't really have anyone to play small forward. He's probably, he's a better shooter than, than anyone else. They'll probably pay him more than anyone else. I mean, you know, maybe it's kind of one of these like $10 million uh, second year team option. Yeah, exactly. Type yeah. of things or, or maybe a non-guarantee that uh, vests based on playing time. So something along those lines it would make some sense. Uh, so yeah, Mike Muscala and OKC, someone that, so uh, Colin Reed mentioned it in the comments here, yeah. as well as as another one. Again, it just seems like now, and his his contract actually expires, so there's really no reason to keep him around. He's not even playing. He's either, not playing. Frankly. Yeah, they kept they've kept him out and Horford. Uh, so I yeah, I don't understand why Mus- Muscala wouldn't be a buyout unless they haven't found unless his agent hasn't found a landing spot for him. I mean, that would be the only reason not to do it at this point. What? Well, I have you here, by the way. What do you think of this Horford thing that he's just going to not play the rest of the year? I mean, we <laughs> we. At least suited up Mark for the games. I mean, shit. <laughs> like you're just <laughs> like this is brazen, right? It, it's pretty brazen. Is is there a solution to it? Ultimately, I mean the the solution. I think the league came up with the best solution they could in terms of flattening out the lottery odds in in order to make in order to reduce some of the incentives to do stuff like this. Like it's still gonna happen, but you can you can argue in OKC's case that like. Like, okay, this guy's going to be on our roster next year. He's old. We just don't want to risk injuring him in games that don't matter. So you could argue, because that that was one of the things I brought up from our perspective with what we were doing with, with Mark at the end of that season. Uh, was it 2018? Yeah. Um, we, we, limit, we basically capped his minutes because we said, look, he's had a... You know, he's he's X many years old. I forget how old he was at the time, but it began with a three. Um, he's had a nuvicular injury in his foot. And like we're supposed to 
play him 40 minutes in games that don't matter just to make other people happy. Like we, we wanted to make sure that he would get through the season and be part of our team the next year when we were actually like trying to win. So even if we didn't have a draft pick at all that year, we would have had an incentive to pull back on his playing time. Right. That That's exactly correct. I, I've made that argument as well. And particularly with OKC where they have young beings. Moses Braun, you wrote about him this week. He's been unbelievable uh, on yeah. a per minute basis. They want to see what they have with him. And I think they also said they want to work to get Horford somewhere else this offseason. And so preserving him. And also, I think maybe even a small part of this is that Al Horford would rather have it be known that he's missing games because they're shutting him down rather than that he's missing games because he's injured. Because that's the other thing is like if the league wants to say, hey, like you can't do this, Thunder, they could just say, well, Al Horford has had tendonitis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and I'm sure he has. Like every NBA player is 34 years yeah. old. For, you could find I something I don't know if, for him. I don't know if you remember back in the day, there was actually an injured list in the NBA yeah. where they would, they would basically list players on the quote unquote injured list with both bullshit injuries just so they would you know because you you can only have so many players active and so many players in the injured list right. so they're basically just stash bodies on the injured list with uh the two favorites were back spas back spasms and tendonitis oh yeah absolutely knee soreness jeff stotts and i actually talked about that uh, on the pod a couple of weeks ago he was talking about how that screws up his database from before whatever it was like oh four when they actually yeah. got got rid of that so there's no way around this ultimately and i agree with you that even even if there weren't draft pick incentive involved, it would still make sense to do exactly what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here's what else I want to talk about here. Danny and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I wanted to get your thoughts to just take stock of where the league is now. The buyout market is done. The trade deadline is done. And we analyzed all those moves separately, but where did they put these teams in the league hierarchy so wanted to talk about this well we can uh use this as a way maybe to transition into some uh comments uh, and questions as well if you guys want to start getting those speaker requests in now for locker room we'll probably get to those maybe in about 10 minutes uh, or so after this uh segment is over but let's just talk about it has anything changed for you based on the trade deadline and the buyout market as far as who the favorites are i mean you and i haven't even talked about that i guess since the start of the season so i don't even know who your your favorites were and who they are now that that all this stuff is in the rearview mirror yeah so i thought the two contenders that helped themselves were denver and philadelphia and of the two i would say denver helped themselves the most yeah, it's early, but that net rating for that starting lineup with Aaron Gordon is uh, completely off the charts. Again, a couple of games only, but uh, yeah, that does have potentially, and he's probably the best player that moved to a team that realistically could be in championship potential. Maybe that's, maybe Victor Oladipo would be the other one if he can come through, but as far as just their stature in the league and, and the price paid to get him too, the price paid yeah. to get Aaron Gordon was the highest, and I think that's commensurate with his value. Yeah. And then I, you know, I think George Hill is going to help the Sixers, uh, but he doesn't, his impact isn't on the level of Gordon's, but it fixes no. a weakness where when Philly went to the backcourt off their bench, they had a lot of not great options they were cycling through. And he's going to take over those sort of Korkmaz, Maxi, whatever minutes and, and make them much more solid. Yeah, absolutely. And he can even replace maybe Shake Milton. He could play with Shake Milton. He could maybe yeah. replace Seth Curry if they need more defense. So all three of those guards yeah. really can take all of the minutes now. And I think all of those guys provide different options. So who is uh, your favorite in the East right now to, to come out and actually represent the conference in the NBA Finals? I think it's probably got to be Brooklyn at this point. Um, even though I have questions about them too. I mean, they just have so much high end talent. They've played pretty well, uh, since the trade, even with really not having their full lineup much. And Milwaukee has been up and down. I mean, I think Philadelphia is a wild card just because Embiid might just murder the Nets so badly that they can't make up for it with their own offense, right? So so that's the one that's really interesting. I think Embiid gives Philadelphia a puncher's chance against these other teams, even if they might have less overall talent, maybe. Yeah. And But I, 
I think at this point you have you have to put Brooklyn in the driver's seat. It's yeah. a it's now a that, three yeah. it's a three team race. Would you agree with me on that? I would. I, I don't. I mean, maybe maybe the Celtics or the Heat could get into it. I think they. I would give the Heat a better chance of that than the Celtics right now. Uh, but we have seen those teams play at a high level. But uh, you know, those were the two conference finalists last year. They have most of the same cast of characters back. So I wouldn't rule out that it would be possible for those teams to get in there. And the Heat, for example, we've seen they have. A matchup advantage over say the bucks uh, i yeah would be very interested to see what happens with that series again but obviously the way they've played the, this year you'd have to say those are the, are the top three to me i have the sixers the lowest uh, out of that group in terms of their playoff viability uh i st- you know beats what he's done in the clutch this year has been pretty good but I, I still worry about his health as well in addition to the the nets guys health uh and uh and i think the bucks are just a little bit more dynamic uh, and versatile than the Sixers are particularly defensively I worry about the Sixers versatility defensively uh, particularly going against the Nets but also maybe even the Bucks uh, to some degree as well and I do think that the the PJ Tucker acquisition for the Bucks we didn't talk about that as much because it happened yeah. a, a little bit before the trade deadline and, and some other moves happened afterwards but I don't know that PJ Tucker is going to be a panacea and maybe he's just too old and he'll be injured but I think there's a chance that he could really revolutionize what this Bucks team is doing uh, defensively. It definitely gives him another option in the playoffs if he has anything left in the tank. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it, it may just turn out that he's completely washed and doesn't help. But I thought it was a pretty, like, a pretty decent risk, all told, for the Bucks. I mean, basically an eight, eight spot or so move in the draft backward to, to get him. And they move off of Augustine's money next year. So I, I I thought that was a reasonable acquisition to give them some some variability in how they can play. Yeah, uh, DJ Augustine, he plays for the Rockets, right? <laughs> we, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> or he, he's on the Rockets. Uh, yeah, 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 really. Yeah. So, so, and I also really like PJ Tucker because I think he actually is going to be. If I look up and down every roster in the Eastern Conference, he might be the guy I would most want to guard Joel Embiid interesting he gets huh. low on guys he's always guarded anthony davis real well i know those aren't yeah. he and and beat are not the same type of players but pj tucker gets low like you are not gonna move pj tucker and he's smart he's not he's not gonna fall fall for like kind of the foul drawing tricks i do think joel's face-up game might be pretty good against pj like if he, he can just yeah shoot right over him and that's like if you look at the stats when joel just faces up and doesn't dribble and just shoots that jumper that's uh, it's pretty good but you know pj can kind of get into his body a little bit maybe move his feet a, a little bit better and i think pj also does a pretty good job uh, on kevin durant uh, historically uh, as well same thing being able to kind of get underneath him uh, a little bit and uh, all right caveat that pj could just be done but i i really like that matchup i would say i would pick the nets to beat the bucks if fully healthy and i would pick the bucks to beat the sixers nets to beat the sixers uh, as well but i think nets bucks could actually has the potential of being a, a classic series yeah, I w- what I love about where the where we are right now is that I don't I don't feel like I have a great deal of certainty on on this. It, in other words, I could see either of these three teams coming out of the East, and I could see multiple teams coming out of the West. So that that's fun to me, right? To to not know. Yeah, that's a a great point, and I think that uh, just overall these playoffs, you look at both the East and the West. If everyone's healthy, I think it's going to be like a really really good playoffs. And now that's probably asking too much, honestly, with this wacky season and Mm -hmm. uh, how much of a slog it's going to be the rest of the way, and uh, the crazy schedules that some of these teams have played and and are going to be playing. But if we could get relative health for from all these teams, uh, I think it, it could look really really good um we could, we could have an uh, yeah. awesome second round in particular well football may be over but the nba college basketball and the nhl are in full swing i like it better when football is over personally and bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action in fact bet online even covers awards tv shows and reality tv you got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 
50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's pretty good. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget the promo code locked on to let them know that you came from us. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years now. If you're into working on your own car and truck, saving some money both in labor and on parts, go to RockAuto.com and you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Just put in the make and model of your car. It's everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamp, motor oil, even new carpet. Their catalog is really easy to navigate and the prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. There's no reason to go to the auto parts store in person, especially these days, just to find out that they don't have your part and they're going to order it online the same way that you could with rockauto.com for a less expensive price and without going to the store. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car and truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com how about the west yeah you know you could argue that utah was the big winner at the trade deadline because nobody else in the west other than denver made a move that really vaulted themselves forward and so that increases utah's odds of prevailing yeah uh, I, I guess that's true. Nobody, unless you want to say the Nuggets, uh, that that would yeah. be. It. But but uh, yeah, I'm not sure that Aaron Gordon replacing Gary Harris does a ton for the Nuggets versus the Jazz specifically. I think he does more for them against the the Clippers and the Lakers. Yeah, and maybe maybe the Suns as well. He probably is a pretty decent matchup against Devin Booker. But in the West, so much of it is just going to come down to seeding. And holy crap, is it going to be hilarious? watching these teams in the upper half of the bracket try to avoid the Lakers in the first round. Yeah, that's going to get really interesting if the Lakers end up falling to six, especially. And, you know, what do... What do uh what do the Clippers do in that situation? Do they try to knock themselves down to four and get out of the Lakers bracket? I went through it really. I think the Jazz looking pretty good to be number one. They yeah. they have the easiest schedule the rest of the way. Like they're 538 projects them to finish six games ahead of, of the Suns. I think the Clips are going to kind of start taking it a little bit easier. Uh, they, they lost it over the Magic. Paul George has been out of the lineup. Beverly, Serge Ibaka. They, they got guys that are they're just, I know they would love to play everyone and, and get into a them but that's just doesn't seem like the health gods are ever going to cooperate for that team i think they're going to fall down to four and the reason they're going to fall down to four is i don't see the lakers staying in five we'll see i think we'll have a pretty good idea actually after the next two weeks of whether the lakers are going to be five or whether they'll be six or even potentially seven i actually think if i had to pick where i think they'll be i think they'll be seven wow you know some of that's going to depend on portland and dallas here too sure right yeah that's that's uh uh, and those teams have their own injury issues as well but uh i i just i think the lakers are really going to struggle we'll see maybe they'll do better ad will come back earlier lebron will come back earlier but it seems like they're going to really be prioritizing health so the lakers to me if they had their whole team we knew everybody was going to be healthy i probably would pick them but man are they going to have a tough run i mean they're going to have to play you know this is going to be a houston rockets 1995 style of gauntlet (laughs) exactly yeah 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 I, i think that's they and the in the 16 team playoff era i think they and the 99 knicks i think they're those are the only ones to make the finals seated sixth or below if memory serves hopefully if the comments could certainly let me know if i'm forgetting yeah. anyone uh, on that one but uh yeah i think yeah, that's uh, correct and and the lake the rockets beat i want to say they beat a three a two a one and another one that they, they beat like four 60 win teams or something it was insane yeah yeah, they beat the Jazz, the Suns, and the Spurs. And then, oh, the Magic only won, I think, like 57 yeah. wins and were one of like the greatest offenses of all time. They, they swept them in the finals. That's a pretty good Rockets team. Uh, yeah, and Rob McIntyre makes an interesting point here in the comments uh, that wouldn't you want to play the Lakers early when health for them will likely be at its worst? Yeah, I, th- I think I would. Um, And particularly if they're coming out of the play-in already. If you're the Lakers, would, you, would the play-in scare you at all? Would that be a big priority? like hey we can't fall into the play-in oh i think it has to be just because it's too easy to just to just fluke your way into either missing the playoffs or ending up in the eighth spot like it's it's because it just comes down to one game then so yeah yeah i think you want to avoid that yeah i think it also just depends who is looking like they're going to be the three seed who's going to look like they're going to be the two seed i'm pretty sure the lakers would rather play the suns than the clippers if you so yeah let's say you're you're the lakers 
you know that the Suns are going to be two and you know that the Clippers are going to be three. Now are you are you less scared of getting in the play or are you still just like, hey, let's just, we got to get in. Let's play the Clippers in the first I th- round. I, I feel like you're going to play either Clippers then Suns or Suns then Clippers, right? So is it that big a difference? Yeah, maybe not. Or maybe there's a feeling though that they need to get their sea legs under them. Mm-hmm. I, I guess my thought would kind of be if you can't win one out of two games against, I mean, I guess, I mean, they probably would rather play the Jazz than the Clippers, I would bet too, if you, even if they fell to the eight. At least I would personally. You you might feel differently because I know you're a little more of a jazz stand this year than I am. Yes. But- <laughs> but if you can't win two games against the eighth seed and the winner of the ninth and the tenth seed, you can't win one of those two games you probably weren't going to go too far against a good team anyway would kind of be my thought most likely but i'd still want to avoid it yeah i, I mean I, you know fluky shit can happen i guess i will and also if those both those games are gonna be at home as well it's uh yeah what if I know. what if lebron turns his ankle in the first quarter of the first play-in game yeah no that's true i i, I just have no idea what ad and lebron are gonna be in the playoffs i mean that that's the biggest question mark to me of just about anything uh and kd obviously uh, on the east side as well i think he's got a better chance he's coming back early it seems like they've just been incredibly conservative with him whereas these lebron the lebron and ad i mean those are some real injuries so yeah. all right g- give me your give me your pick to get out of the west uh, and your champion as of right now and then we'll get into the uh the speaker requests here uh i'm i'm riding the uh the mike conley gets his wing, ring bandwagon wow so does you not only do you have the jazz coming out of the west you have them winning the championship yeah wow. i mean they've been the best team in the league by far all year so i'm 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 riding with that yeah i just I just don't see how they could beat Brooklyn in the end because I, I think Brooklyn switching can slow the Jazz down just That's, enough. That, that I mean, how what does Utah do against switching defense? I, th- I think you've you've nailed the question uh, that will that will determine whether whether what I said actually happens. Yeah. Well, what can they do against switching defense? Can, yeah, can they and, can they maintain that ping ping ping, or does it just degenerate into Mitchell taking twenty foot pull ups? And not only that, I think that Utah's defense, Brooklyn, is probably the worst matchup for Utah's style of defense because they don't need to get all the way to the rim. They have a ton of three-point shooters. You could make Rudy Gobert guard a three-point shooter, and they don't have the individual defenders to prevent KD or Kyrie from getting any type of a look that they want to uh, on a jumper off the dribble if they're feeling like they don't want to challenge Rudy Gobert. So either the driving kick game of Harden or KD and Kyrie in the midrange, I mean, Utah just doesn't have the defense to deal with that yeah to me yeah so that, I, I, that Brooklyn I, matchup is is the trickiest without a doubt I think Milwaukee they probably would feel pretty good about you know you can well, put so, Rudy on Giannis yeah. and uh you know even even Philly they probably feel okay about but but I I would be remiss though that you picked Brooklyn to come out of the east and you're picking the Jazz to come out of the west but you are picking the Jazz to beat them then in the final so here's the thing you, if it was yeah. if it was if I knew it was Brooklyn against Utah I'd probably be more inclined to pick Brooklyn yeah but you you know I guess I'm looking at the the entirety of the field and kind of what are the odds of of things happening along the way? I, I don't know. I, I yeah, it, it's so hard. I, it's definitely it's definitely tough. I, I still like Utah's total odds package, I guess, better than anyone else's. But I'll take the field over Utah any day, right? Like, there's yeah. eight teams that can win this. No, uh, and in in the West, definitely, I think so. I actually have the Clip, Clippers versus Nets it would be my pick, and I think I would pick See, I, I the can't, Nets to win it. I can't quit the Clippers either. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I just think they have a lot of different ways they can play against people. They have Kawhi and Paul George as the shot creators. Uh, they, they've they've got some other pieces that maybe haven't played as well this year that are capable of more so i i i still think they're they're really tough and i'd like i'd probably put them 2a and lakers 2b yeah their clutch struggles do leave a little bit to be desired uh but uh 41.5 percent from three as a team doesn't leave too much to be desired (laughs) not at all (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah and i like i like the clippers matchup uh, against the jazz as well okay let's uh let's jump in here to the speaker request thanks for everyone who wanted to get in uh let's go with uh ag nba you are on right now here uh on locker room with me and john hey can you guys hear me 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, okay. and feel free guys, but just for, since we're recording this as a pod, just, just start talking. And, uh, if we don't respond, you can, uh, you can assume that we, uh, th- that we don't hear you. Uh, but yeah, what do you got for us, AG? Okay. Yeah. My question was, do you guys think there's any chance that a perimeter defender could deservingly win defensive player of the year in today's NBA? Ooh, that's a good question. Is that inspired by, uh, Ben Simmons, uh, AG? It's uh, some of the noise coming out of Philly lately. Yeah. That hype train. And if the answer is yes, who would be like your prime candidate for that? Well, I, I don't think the answer is anybody this year because Rudy Gobert is certainly going to win, I, I would think. But, it, you know, I think there are there are other guys that have, have come close and had a case. I mean, certainly we had Tony Allen in Memphis who had a had a great case. And I think I wanted to did he come second to Mark the year Mark won it or third or um, anyway? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, those those 2013. I, I can't yeah. remember that. Uh, so so here I'll, I'll give you this, John, as a context. The only two perimeter defenders to win Defensive Player of the Year this century were Ron Artest in 2004 and Kawhi back to back in 15 and 16. Those those are the only ones to win it. I I would say at least as far like actually winning it with the voters, I think that's possible. Being my pick to win it, I would be particularly in the regular season because I think those type of players are actually more valuable in the playoffs. Uh, particularly in the regular season, I would say it would be a hell of a long shot. And we're saying Giannis is a front court player for this discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's a four. You know, I mean, like his rim protection is and help defense is the number one skill. I mean, you, you got Giannis and Draymond as fours, and then everyone else is a center who's one at the center. The thing that makes it so hard for a perimeter defender to win something like this is that you can negate one-on-one perimeter defense a lot of times just with screening and with, yep. with switching, um, especially since so many teams switch now. Um, you know, it's funny that Tony just hated switching and would just like, like basically try to run through every screen so we wouldn't have to switch. We could stay with the guy. Um, but the way the league is now, I, I just think it's so switch heavy that that single like shutdown corner type of defender probably doesn't matter as much as he used to. Yeah, it's particularly with now the proliferation of smaller players screening. Those guys are so small and then they're such good shooters popping out to the perimeter. They're so fast to get separation from the point of the screen and get out there. You know, think of a JJ Redick type setting that screen, for example. It's just so difficult to stay with your guy in all of those circumstances. And then obviously those guys don't do as much as help defenders either. And so many people like to point to like Draymond Green. Oh, Draymond Green is a unique defensive force with his ability to help and his ability to switch and his ability to guard guys one-on-one and to guard guys that in the post as an awesome post defender with his strong base as well. I don't think we're going to even see, you know, maybe you could say that that's a perimeter defender. I don't really see it though. Um, I, I mean, is there anyone that comes to mind for you, uh, AG, as far as, uh, as far as uh, someone that you think should be in there? Not particularly, but I just think one year they just, they'll just give it to Ben Simmons because I feel like perimeter defense is more appeasing to the eye than like help defense yeah. to the casual fan. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That, that, I think that's, that, I think that's helped Marcus Smart in the voting a bit too. Yeah. No, that, that's a, that's a great point, AG. That, yeah, that, that's a good question. I don't think so, particularly in the regular season. I think it's because the big can be involved in just about every play as a help defender where it's just it's so hard to do that as a perimeter guy. Let's get to Rob. Good to have you back, Rob. How you doing? Hey, um, I was just curious for that last question. What would P.J. Tucker be considered in that context? I think you have to think of him as a big, don't you think, John? Yeah, I mean, they played him at five, his most valuable position defensively. A lot of times, is a five, right? So yeah, I was he, just... he's he's more he's more of that than he is like the the one on one perimeter stopper, right? Like you're not like, oh yeah, we're going to put him on James Harden, and that'll that'll take care of things. Yeah, no, but they would use him on like a wing score, which is why I was curious. But um, anyways, so I hear a lot of people talk about the Lakers eventually just going and playing three shooters and LeBron and AD together once they're all healthy. What actually is like the lineup they can get you that you're comfortable closing a playoff series with with them? Well, they they would need to find one shooter before they could get to three, right? That, that's <laughs> yeah, probably the biggest exactly. thing holding them back. Uh, I I think it's I think it's probably something like Schroeder, KCP, and Kuzma. Okay, I guess Kuzma's a third shooter there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, Car- it's uh, Caruso yeah. would be would be in that mix too. Yeah, also not not really a shooter. Yeah, Caruso is yeah. having a really a down year. Uh, 
when you're talking about his offensive production. I think there's some hope that Wes Matthews could be that guy, but he hasn't been quite at that level. He was supposed to start for them, and then that ended up not happening. Taylor Horton Tucker maybe gets in that mix if he's playing well, but one thing I will say is I thought that Frank Vogel, at least last year, did a really nice job of finding the combinations that would work at the end of games in the playoffs. And they're a good crunch time team in the playoffs last year. And he was able to f- cobble together enough with some hot hands. I was helped by the emergence of playoff Rondo, who they're not going to have this year. So I, I they just got to kind of do it by committee. And maybe there'll be some teams where they go with, uh, with Harrell or Drummond as well, potentially, or maybe it'd even be Marcus Gasol if they're going against Jokic. So they do have a, a lot of looks, but you're right, Rob. I mean, the one that they don't really have is really good shooting about around the AD LeBron pick and roll, which is probably what you would most want to have. That's like the most logical way to uh, build the team in the end. Uh, thanks for that, Rob. Let's get to Jonah Willard. Hey, you guys. I'm, thanks for letting me on. I'm a huge fan. And that's why I hate to have to kind of push back against. Oh, uh, yeah. Members. Yeah. No, let's do it, man. That's, let's that's do what it. We're, that's, I, what, no, that's what we no. are here for. That's I what locker room is all about. Against the notion that the Nuggets were a big winner at the trade deadline. I'll ask okay. you to recall that the Nuggets, they were really getting burnt by Donovan Mitchell in the first five games of that series last year before um, the uh, newest member of the Magicians Alliance, Gary Harris, came back and was really able to. <laughs> bail them out of that series and with Harris gone they don't really have a great option like I mean I know that Composo fans exist but I don't think he's going to be some panacea that can stop like an elite point of attack guy so I guess yeah my point sort of is like um can you appease those concerns because there are a lot of great guards in the west and if I'm a guy like CJ McCollum even I'm just kind of looking at that Nuggets defense like it's lunchtime you know and keep in mind the Nuggets defense it's actually slipped a few spots from where it was last year so i guess like i know if they play one of the la teams then then sure yeah you're very very happy to have gordon on board but i actually worry that trade's gonna hurt them um more against several western conference teams yeah i mean against against like a real guard you're asking barton or Compazzo or you know you want to shoehorn gary clark into that role like i don't really what what, what about uh what what about gordon you think he could do it i i I I don't I mean is he really the guy to be like chasing around smalls like that? Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, he mean, has he has looked a little bit slow moving his feet this year. I I will give you that. Yeah, um, it, this is one of the reasons that like I think this trade actually sets up the Nuggets to peak next year because they'll have the off season to add one more guy. Like they can trade Barton and their draft pick, or they can trade you know some other scrape together some contracts and get kind of that one more guy. Um, cause I, I think they, they need another guard. They need somebody to be what ge- they thought Gary Harris would be and put that guy out there with Jamal Murray, Jokic, Gordon, uh, and Porter next year. And you have an awesome team. And I think, I think as, as much as the trade helps them this year, I think next year is when they, you see peak nuggets. So a, a couple of responses to, to what you're saying. And I, I do, we noted that when we were talking about them matching up specifically with the Jets. So, so you're not, I, I, you're pushing back on us in some ways, but in other ways, I, I think we're in agreement. Um, first of all, they make up for that with offense. Aaron Gordon is just a much better offensive player than Gary Harris. Having Aaron Gordon out there enables them to also play uh, Michael Porter Jr. and not worry about his position defensively as much. You're taking Paul Millsap off the floor, who's really a negative offensive player at this point in time. So they that rolling to the basket that Gordon has as a cutter, he's an underrated passer. He's probably at this point maybe even a better spot-up shooter if you need him to do that than Gary Harris is. He's good getting out in transition can do a little post up as well. So I think they get better offensively. So that's one way. And then the other thing I would say is I think the Nuggets believe that PJ Dozier can take on that Gary Harris role. If you really need him to, they are very high in his defense. He might be even worse offensively than Harris was because Harris would at least shoot the three, which Dozier is kind of off and on with his willingness to even do that. What, what do you think of Dozier, John? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's shown flashes certainly. And, and we just need to see them more consistently. And then at the offensive end, you're right. I mean, the shooting has always been a weakness of his going back to, to college even. Um, and even, you know, Harris, I think opponents still treat as a threat and Dozier, I think, I think they won't even guard. Yeah. So uh, any reaction to that, Jonah? Yeah. So 
I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. I hate to, ha- I hate to like try to pin you down to a prediction or anything, but I've yeah. specifically been thinking about that matchup against the Portland Trailblazers. Cause what, um, and to, to be fair, full disclosure, I am a Blazer fan and what, what my Blazers yeah. have been doing recently is they've replaced Derek Jones Jr. with Norman Powell in the starting lineup. And I mean, right. I have mixed feelings about that, but that's another story. But anyway, I, I think that the Blazers could get away with that against Denver just because the Nuggets, they don't really have that um, wing score that would really force the Blazers to um, to put out like a bigger lineup. And I just feel like a um, Lillard, McCollum, Powell lineup, like I just think that could cause some pretty serious damage against the Nuggets defense. I wonder what to, what your guys' take on that would be. Denver would have to play pretty well the rest of the way to get to a first-round matchup with Portland, right? They basically would have to move up to three. Well, could oh, well like Portland, four, five, Portland could get to five. Yeah, Portland could get to five, I think. Oh, like a four or five? If, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Okay, okay. Um, But it, I do think Gordon, I think he might be okay on CJ because CJ's not like incredibly fast. You know, he kind of, he kind of, I think he actually does better against guys where he's got a little bit of a size advantage on him. So I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that I know this or not. Gordon, we'll see what he can do. This is really, this is going to be a, a big, they made a big bet on Gordon and I'm not sure how good he is, but I, I think he might be able to do okay uh, on CJ. Then, then of course you got the, the Dame problem as well, but they'll probably just have to bring Jokic up and trap it. And they'll probably do that with, with CJ as well. And so that, I mean, that how much, cannot, yeah. how much was Harris helping him when the last time they played Portland was death by CJ McCollum? Yeah. No, I, and I think that's, but CJ, he'll just go into the straight ISO game doesn't even need a screen, maybe more than Dame. Uh, and so maybe that that's where the question comes in. But yeah, the, great question there. And I think that none of us really know the answer to that one. Uh, we got time maybe for uh, two more here. Let's get to uh, let's get to Justin Bautista. Justin, you are in. Hey, so this question is about Potfo or Popovich in the front office. Um, to Spurs fans, they've developed this reputation of taking care of their own, but perhaps being too nice, you know, really player friendly contracts for a higher character guys. So P- Patty Mills, four for 50, Pau Gasol, three for 48, Aldridge, three for 72. But these really hampered their flexibility at the time. And now nice guys finished last and that might be bad GMing, but Lamarcus Aldridge gave back 5.8 million in his buyout, which might be the first tangible payoff they've received from their, you know, quote unquote goodwill. So is there truth to this, to this uh, reputation of their front office being too nice and taking care of their own? And if so, does it pay real dividends long term, you know, for non-glamour markets like the Spurs? I don't think they've been uh, too like too nice. Like they're not handing out bad contracts like like uh, Halloween candy the way some other front officers certainly have done. Uh, that Gasol contract wasn't good, but if you recall, that was that was the the summer of love. Uh, the uh, uh, what year was that? I mean, that was the year we gave we gave Parsons ninety four million. Yeah, and, no, uh, I, I would understand if you've chosen to forget what year that yeah, was. Yeah, uh, so. I mean, relative to that, I mean, Gasol getting the contract he did at that time wasn't necessarily the the worst thing that could have happened. The guaranteeing Aldridge's deal was was a little weird, but they also got some of that money back. I don't think anyone thought the extension he signed was a bad one at the time it was signed. And the Mills deal, I mean, I was actually surprised they didn't trade him. I thought Patty had trade value at that number. Yeah, he's kind of waxed and waned a little a little bit, Mills. I think there was a, a thought that he'd gotten overpaid, but summer of 2017, he might have had offers right in that range. And that's one where like overpaying by you know a million or two for a guy and Patty to me has been one of the best reserves in the league since he signed that deal. So he's annually one of the best plus minus guys uh, off the bench. So that's not too bad. Overpaying by a million or two, that's one thing. If it's okay, we're going to bring you in Pau Gasol or LaMarcus Aldridge for more guaranteed years at like, you know, 20 million a year or 16 million a year. That's where it starts. I, I think you can start to go off the rails a little bit, but you also say, you know, what ended up being the opportunity cost for them uh, doing that in the end. And uh, maybe you could say that Pau Gasol signing him originally, that was really more what I had a concern with then. And I think what they did in 2017 was they got him to opt out and they were going to try and get Chris Paul 
And then when he didn't come, it was sort of like, all right, if we don't get Chris Paul, Powell, now that you've opted out, because he had a player option for like 15 million. Now that you've opted out, we're going to take care of you, Powell, because we don't really yeah. have anything, anything else. Um, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think about that, Justin? Yeah, that, 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 Pat, I'm remembering that. Yeah, that Powell one, that felt like a wink, wink deal where it was yeah. like, okay, if we get Chris Paul, you sign a one year deal and then we re-sign you for more money with your bird rights. If we don't get Chris Paul, we'll let you opt into the, to the money that you were going to get at anyway uh, on a new contract. So I think that's what happened. Happen. Yeah, and also Justin, I would say they didn't. I don't think they overpaid on uh, Dejounte Murray. Would, would, you, would you agree with that? Oh no, at four for sixty-four, we th- uh, most Spurs fans think that's a pretty great deal. Yeah. yeah, and Danny Green, they got him on a pretty good deal in that summer of twenty fifteen as well. Four for forty was pretty good. So, um, it, you know, I, I have my issues with the the way that the Spurs front office has operated. I don't think they've had a lot of creativity in terms of transactions, but I probably in the end was a little bit more critical of them for some of that stuff that you're talking about than they ultimately deserve. So thanks for that question, Justin. And let's get to one more here. And uh, that's going to be Russ, Russ Heltman. Russ, you are on. Russ is not on. Okay. Let's, uh, let's try uh, Andrew. Sorry about that, Russ. Uh, hi, uh, I'm really happy uh, to be talking to you guys. I love your podcast. Uh, my question is about the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm a huge Cavs fan, and I'm really starting to like the pieces that they're putting together uh, in their young core. So my question for you guys is, how do you evaluate their young core? What do you think of the pieces that they're putting together so far? And what do you think that they need to do to take it to the next level? Well, you know, who who is the guy who's going to be the best player on a good team? Uh, or even the second best player on a good team? I mean, may, maybe Sexton can get there. I mean, he, he could definitely score. The rest of his game is right now is pretty much negative. But, you know, he's he's young enough to still get a lot better. Uh, so, so there's that. Uh, Garrett Allen, I think he has a little more room now to explore, like what, what he's actually going to be as a starting center. Um, I, I mean, I definitely like that move for where they are in their timeline. Uh, they should be able to retain him. He, he's probably the, the second kind of big piece. Uh, these other guys, you know, Garland or, or Coro, uh, I think they're pretty big question marks right now. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who are you really excited about? Uh, Andrew, do you, do you think that John is, is missing the boat on some of these guys? But yeah, who, who do you, to just to answer the question that John put rhetorically, who do you see as, you know, being really good pieces on, you know, a, a, uh, perennial playoff type of team on this roster right now? Oh, I really like Jared Allen. Uh, he's been great for the development of the guards, uh, especially considering coming from Andre Drummond, uh, the having him roll to the hoop and being a nice lob threat, and also on the defensive end, him being a protector uh, for two undersized guards. I really like him a lot. I've really been impressed with Darius Garland about his playmaking ability. He had a shot that was through, like a, an assist through his legs the other night. Just made everybody just go, oh, that's incredible. Um, Colin Sexton, I was a big fan of his. I still like his scoring game, but I think he needs to up his playmaking a little bit. And Okoro, it's kind of a coin flip at this point. I don't think we've seen enough of him so far. Yeah, I, I do like what we've seen from Okoro de- defensively, for sure. And I think Colin Sexton continues to take steps forward e- each year. He, he has dropped off since that early, that 10 and 11 start that the Cavs had. He's down to 37% for three. And I think that's kind of more what he's going to be than a guy who's bombing you know eight threes a game at at 40 percent, and that's pro- realistically if he's going to get to an all-star type level i think that's kind of where he needs to be and I, I know he's talked to the media about needing to shoot more threes and so if he realizes that's a priority maybe he can get there but you, you got to be happy with garland uh getting up to 40 percent from three and getting a little better on the rim a little better with playmaking uh, but it, he also you know, it doesn't have the type of volume. I do wonder too, whether JB Bickerstaff is from an offensive philosophy standpoint is the guy that I want maximizing two three point happy guards necessarily. Um, so I, I worry a little bit about that, but I, I think if they could get they, if they get Cade Cunningham in the draft, then I think a lot of these other pieces kind of slot into where they need to be, but they still need that number one piece where you're just like, yeah, this guy's a future all NBA player. I can't say that I see that on the Cavs roster right now. What about you, John? No, I, I don't either. Uh, I'll add, I like, uh, I like Dylan Windler as like a role player, you know, third forward type of guy. I, I, I think he's got a good, good chance to be a plus reserve. All right. Thanks for that question, Andrew. And thanks to all of you for joining us here 
on Locker Room. We'll be back at the normal time next week. Actually, we may not. We'll stay tuned on exactly when we're going to be back next week. Uh, one, uh, one, one quick update, Nate. Uh, oh, yeah? Andre Drummond is now a minus four, so my position has completely changed on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you have to be willing to update your priors, John. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, so happy uh, last day of March uh, to all of you. And uh, we love this community. This is just like a great online space. Uh, all of these questions, the agreement uh, or disagreement is really respectful. We love talking to y'all. And uh, let's do it again next week. We'll talk to you then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.